This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening. Uh, your host, Jeff Lloyd, joining tonight from SI.com. Pete Smith, I want to thank John Costco and obviously Brent Sobleski for jumping down in the last couple of nights. Uh, you know, Pete was busy with a coaching clinic. Uh, but, you know, nice to get some other voices in the room here. And we got the ability to, you know, you know, be a little bit more flexible here in the offseason. But, you know, we kind of do the day-to-day grunt work, you know, Pete and I. But, you know, when, you know, there is big changes, obviously with, you know, all that January brought, nice to get in, you know, some other guys with some other perspective. So, again, thanks to the, those guys. And if you haven't checked out those episodes, I suggest you do. They both guys brought some interesting perspective and uh, both hit it out the park, so to speak. Um, we'll start here. Obviously, we have stuff to get to because, you know, we haven't gotten Pete's opinion on some stuff over the last couple of days. But Pete, XFL, I'm already in after a game and a half more than I was in on the AAF. Maybe whether it's the kickoff, whether it's there's a possibility for a three-point play. Um. <sighs> And the impressive thing for me is the fact they've already sold more tickets already than the AAF did for however long their run was, if it was six, seven weeks, maybe not even. Uh, I think they went eight, but uh, the XFL um, certainly has come out uh, out of the gate better. Um, They did a series of like, Padded, thought up, practice, like scrimmages, and it seems like whether it was that or, or something else, like the line play has come out of the gate way better than the AAF did, where in the first couple of weeks the offensive line was just brutal. Um, yeah, the, the like the going the the clock working differently and some of that stuff, I don't really notice. Um, I think the play for the most part has been pretty interesting. The uh, they're still they're, right now. Anyway, they're super conservative on the extra points, despite the fact they don't make them. Uh, and I don't love the you know the constant trying to interview players who just came off the field and stuff um, and some of those other things. But they, they carried over that replay access thing from the AAF, which is good. Uh, the kickoff thing is at least interesting. Um, you know, as a way to sort of keep it without just having, you know, essentially car wrecks in the middle of the field. I haven't really looked. I mean, I, I haven't really done any looking into the XFL other than it was on today. So I sort of flipped it on. It's interesting. Um, I feel like the talent in the AAF was slightly better just because the NFL has already come in. And, you know, once the AAF was done, they signed a bunch of players. So uh, the XFL has, you know, had some newer players in, uh, but uh, they also don't have that initial wave. And they're, at least a few players, like notably Johnny Manziel, has basically said, you know, he, he thinks this thing's going to go under in half a season, so he didn't bother. I don't know that that's a huge factor, but um, it's it's interesting. Uh, but, but I think even though the AF had more talent um, overall, the XFL has looked better at sort of like the flow and, and just the competitiveness of the game. Oh, uh, well, you know, first things first, the whole Johnny Manziel thing. Um, look, uh, you know, whatever your sour grapes is, Johnny, um, a lot of it you did to yourself. 
Um, you look at, you know, Garrett Gilbert, who's got himself a pretty nice gig in the NFL right now. If the opportunity was there and he was able to light up a league for five, six weeks and get him himself at least into an NFL door. Um, and the other question is, is, you know, whether or not they're truly pursuing Johnny Manziel right now. Um, you know, and with Johnny, look, you know, he's one of these athletes that where maybe being a star or, you know, or being in a star situation probably isn't good for him. Um, he's one of those guys where his bad habits essentially, you know, tend to show up when the pressure's on and it's starting to go out and you are the man about town and he becomes, you know, the man about town sometimes leads to him being the clown about town. You know, for him, I think it's, you know, I think it's a little sour grapes. Um, but Pete, you know, these games last year weren't on ABC. They weren't on Fox last year. Um, if there's one thing, if Vince McMahon is bringing this product and look, you know, yes, he's already failed with it once, uh, you know, 18, you know, 19 years ago, started 18 years ago. Um, they know television, they have television people, they have great connections to television people, you know. Look, is it ever going to be anything more than a spring league? No, it's not going to be. Um, the fact that they're going to open their league up to players who say, I'm aggravated, uh, I'd like to be playing pro ball now, and there is the opportunity, there's a safety in the league who has the opportunity you know, to get drafted this year. That does exist for him. Um, you know, I think maybe it, sustainability, what would be a great run? three, four seasons would probably be a great, great run. But I think it at least has got some stability. McMahon's have money and they have solid television connections and getting these games on major networks. You know, if somebody just accidentally leaves on channel seven and you see that Cardell Jones, Cardell Jones double reverse touchdown pass today, you're like, oh, all right, this ain't too bad. Uh, so the XFL or the uh, AAF like was on CBS Maine like their first game and then well, to see just worked the NFL Network. It actually seemed like it was really good programming for the NFL Network back when I had the NFL Network. Um, but yeah, the XFL has done a, a, a far better job in in, uh, in a position to be seen, and CBS would have been better off televising and some of the stuff they were playing its place. Uh, as far as how long it can last, I don't know. I feel like if it makes it um, a year or two, then it, it, it's going to be fine. I think it'll be fine for a while. I don't, um, unless they try to do something, you know, to, to change it up drastically, there are always going to be, there are clearly always going to be players who want to play uh, that are willing to take the 50 grand or whatever they're making. Uh, and like some of these guys were in the AAF, for example, even after that, uh, debacle at the end. Um, so as long as people are watching it, I feel like it can keep going. And this is sort of the thing that, like, you know, like the Arena League, which folded, was rarely on TV. Uh, I think that's the big key, but uh, I, I could be could be wrong, I don't know, but uh. I think as long as it's on TV, it's got a shot to keep going. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and, you know, look, I mean, people are advertising on these time slots anyway, which helps, and especially with, you know, the cost of, you know, what these players are making. And look, for some of these guys and why spring football works is, you know, you can go back and, 
you know, you coach um, which you weight room, gives you access to fields. So you can train and you can do what you would normally do in an off season. Granted, you know, fall is not normally a football player's off season, but it is. And it gives you an option. I mean, see how it plays out. Um, and the other thing is, you know, the sustainability of it right now. A, it's new. B, it's really college football season. Baseball doesn't kick off for another, I think, 40-something days. So right now it does not have a lot of competition. Um, so, you know, once college basketball starts to pick up, conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament, you see how, you know, the ratings do then. But, you know, for a first day, not too shabby. And some interesting names. And Pete, I, yeah, Sean Oakman. Oh, I, Baylor product. Um I never thought I'd hear that name again. Um, thought maybe he'd be like some jobber in, you know, like high school wrestling that shows up at like the local V. I mean, you know, some, you know, mid-level pro wrestling. That but part of this, you know, it, it, and the weirdest of is it, it's seen a couple of names. And, you know, we all have like a couple of draft darlings that we had. And we're like, ah, all right, at least the kid's still playing. Uh, so, yeah, Sean Oakman, that was a that was a big deal to the XFL for a couple of reasons. Uh, obviously, he had just been exonerated from the, uh, the rape charge he was facing, um, and that was when the – at that point, the XFL was claiming they were not going to allow uh, like people with issues into the league, and that seems to have quickly vanished. Um Obviously, he, he's a he's a freak show in terms of how he looks. It's going to be interesting to see how well he plays. I think he's a defensive tackle in this. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, those are names, and they need those. And I think part of the reason they're, they're, they're doing some of the, um, the access that I think is a little bit overdone, but I think the reason they want to do that is they want to try to get you know, create heroes and villains out of this, you know, create some heels um, to get people to sort of follow it like that. I mean, I think Vince McMahon and, and most people are trying to tap into the, uh, the that part of wrestling and try to get, you know, an unscripted sport uh, to be able to uh, have that same type of impact. Well, and, and with Oakman, and, you know, uh... I'm a big Jim Ross guy. He does a fantastic podcast. He's been a wrestling guy forever and, you know, has a deep football background, uh, you know, huge Oklahoma fan, close to Baker Mayfield. And I know there had been talks WWE-wise with Sean Oakman for years. Um, you know, they like the athlete he was. They like the size that he brought. So it's not a shock. He's shocked that XFL and maybe if it doesn't really work out, you know, maybe the next thing is to the ring. More coming here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith rolling through on Locked On Browns apparel. Everybody sells it. You guys all eat it up. Great. Love folks over. Uh, obviously, run uh, by a former, uh, you know, Armed Forces veteran. Um, it's not quick. It's not you know what's being for the minute. It's you know, it's well thought out. It's appreciation for the players. It's appreciation for appreciation for the team. He's got two children currently serving in the armed forces. Zaboapparel.com. on Twitter. Go check out the fine folks. Uh, now through Valentine's Day, 15% out for the promo code. 
look, you're going to get some Browns gear for Valentine's Day. If you're going to do it, do it with Zabo. Pete, obviously, you know, some changes, you know, well, I mean, what do I say? changes, additions here in your mini hiatus. Uh, Joe Woods now being official, um, you know, obviously announced through a story and not really a press conference, but, you know, a one-on-one where you got Joe's thoughts here. Uh, yesterday, you go ahead, you bring in, uh, obviously, Monty Kiffin's son, Lane Kiffin's brother, Chris Kiffin. You bring over the pass rush specialist from the San Francisco 49ers to be your new defensive line coach. To, and then today, and this is weird because, you know, it seemed pretty concrete, but of course, there was no indication of it. Um, new linebacker coach, uh, Jason Torver, uh, was the defense coordinator at Vanderbilt. Um, he's had some run other places. Um, I had forgotten about this. He had gotten fined as defensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders for flashing a bird to an official. So probably somebody that's going to be loved right off the bat here, but Pete, you know, we're getting there and this is pretty much about it. You know, we'll get to obviously MacArthur here in a second, because if anybody doesn't know, I mean, it's just a fantastic story behind who that kid is and, you know, basically what his history is, is in college football due to the, you know, ties that he's got. Um, so Tarver has been a defensive coordinator at three spots, uh, Vanderbilt, Stanford, and then the Oakland Raiders. Uh, this year, Vanderbilt was God awful, particularly on offense. And Derek Mason, uh, fired both. They have no Mason. business being in the SEC. They have no business being. Uh, but anyway, they only won one SEC game. They beat Missouri. Uh, they went three and nine overall. So, um, he, you know, he, he's been, every time he's been a defensive coordinator, he's coached linebackers as well. So he's been, you know, linebacker centric for a long, long time. Um, how good is he? I don't know. I mean, he's two different stints with the 49ers as a linebacker coach. Uh, and obviously he's the Raiders DC for a little while. I, I don't know enough about him to know if he's a, Good hire. I guess he knows Joe Woods from somewhere, though I don't know exactly where. Um, and then Chris Kiffin, I, I mean, uh, other than being Lane Kiffin's brother and Monty Kiffin's son, I don't know much of anything about him. Um, obviously, given the just sheer potency of that 49ers pass rush, um, it's at least interesting, but obviously they have an obscene amount of talent there as well. So, I'm curious to to know how that goes. Uh, as far as like, are they done? Hard to say because Wednesday when they introduced Andrew Barry, basically said they were, you know, about ten days from being done. You know, are they going to hire a an assistant defensive line coach? Are they going to, you know, do one of those where, you know, one is responsible for tackles and one is responsible for ends type deal? Are they going to bring in, you know, any other sort of, you know, sub coaches within that realm? Um, I don't know, but, uh, they are young. Uh, this is a young group. I mean, Joe Woods is the oldest. He's 50 and then, uh, Tarver's 45. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, the other two, I don't even know how old Chris Kevin is. He's got to be super young though. Um, and then, uh, the BB's coach is, is quite a bit, is, is younger as well. So they've been staying with that pretty consistently. Um, with the coaching staff overall, with the, with the exception of Bill Callahan. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, and that, that's where, you know, was maybe the surprise in Pogic because we had talked about it. Maybe there was going to be somebody there for, you know, obviously the younger part of the guys on the defensive staff, somebody to lean on, somebody to essentially learn from. And, you know, that essentially, not, obviously that is now not the case. Um, you know, Tarver, you know, he's been around. Um, uh, I think the key is going to be here is essentially what you're giving him. Um, you know, if you're putting him in here to this job, uh, with Mac Wilson, Sione Taki Taki, a couple of younger guys and a free agent. I mean, you're asking the world of the guy. If you were putting him into a situation where it is Joe Schobert, uh, two second year linebackers, maybe uh, either A, you draft somebody, or B, you know, you, you sign some sort of veteran and, you know, anybody, you might want to start looking at Minnesota in free agents. At San Francisco and free agents, just kind of tendency to how these um going to look at. And it's going to be interesting because I mean, with him, Tarver, it's going to be what you're given him to work with because it, it it could be a really really tough gig that this guy is coming into. Now the other hire here today, um, Kevin Stefanski has hired former Broncos quarterback coach TC McCartney as an offensive offensive assistant. It's going to be interesting what the actual label is for TC. Maybe, you know, um, but TC is, he's got huge ties to the game of football. Anybody remembers the Colorado dynasties in the early 90s? Bill McCartney, the head coach, his, his Salonessi, who was the quarterback who ended up getting cancer and passing away and had a relationship with Bill McCartney's daughter while Darian Hagan and the rest, you know, leading the team at quarterback and the rest of the team. And there was, you know, Sal and Essie, you know, in the press box, you know, sick, essentially dying. Um, this is his, uh, this is Bill McCartney's grandson. Um, you know, was at LSU as a player, didn't really play much similar to, you know, the, the path of, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, where he was never really a player at the University of Florida. It was all about getting all the experience you can being around a big time, big time program to see where you could be as a coach. Um, so interesting name, interesting background. Um, obviously, there were a bunch of changes on the, you know, offensive side of the ball for the Denver Broncos. Apparently had a pretty good relationship with Drew Locke. We'll see, you know, what exactly the extent is. Is he maybe going to be? The extension between Alex Van Pelt, quote unquote, the offensive coordinator, um, to Baker Mayfield. But, uh, you know, this young man and, you know, obviously nobody signs up for it. But, you know, he, there's a lot preceding him. But we're just going to take T.C. McCartney as he comes. Uh, so he has a national championship at LSU. Uh, he held a clipboard like a champ. Uh, he did win some award, though, for, I guess, uh, being voted by his teammates. Uh, he was a GGA there for a year before going to Colorado. Um, he's got, uh, he, he was with the Browns when Kyle Shanahan was here uh, as a intern. Uh, he's been a quality control coach. Um, he's got experience, obviously, with quarterbacks, uh, but he's also done some stuff with special teams and just the offense as a whole. So I don't know if he's ever going to get like a real you know, true title, or if he's just going to be essentially this, you know, offensive assistant, you know, sort of generic label, but he gets his hands in, in various things. I, I have no 
I have little doubt he's going to be working with with some of the quarterbacks, but he's probably going to have his hands in some other things. Uh, it seems like they, they've got a, a few of these guys. Um, Drew Petzing, sort of the same deal. I mean, he's never coached tight ends, but he's done a bunch of other things where they have a few of these guys who do a little bit of uh, a few things, and they just seem to want to get more uh, knowledge in general. Uh, and then with McCartney, he's only he's still he's just 30 years old. Uh, he's he's really young in this. He's uh, got got a decent amount of experience, but uh, he, he's obviously he went straight from playing career to uh, GA to probably control and then quarterback coach. So, uh, you know, they, they, they again, it, it's going with younger, these younger guys. And obviously with him, this is sort of a job for a younger guy, um, being a little bit of a floater and testing. So I will be curious if they sort of really explain what he's going to do. Um, but it just seems like this is what I, I'm not sure if they're done. Because they, they have a couple of these guys that are technically uh, don't have a real label, and yet they're 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 just trying to find more guys. So I I wouldn't be surprised if they're still not done adding defense. Uh, you know, if it's a guy like uh, Monty Kiffin coming in as some special advisor thing, or you know, a couple of weeks of working with them, or Pug is just some special advisor. I'm curious if that was like a situation where like. You know, it, he, he wanted to do it or, or whatever, and then basically decided, look, uh, you know, just just not up to it at this point, uh, having two, two years retired or whatever. But uh, it seems like they're going to keep – again, they, they gave themselves 10 days. That's basically another week. Um, so I don't expect they've wrapped up and just finished already. Yeah, you know, I see, you know, it's definitely, you know, some sort of, you know, senior advisor on the defensive side of the ball. And even if it, you know, could be a name such as Wade Phillips, if you're looking for somebody permanently, uh, wouldn't be surprised if yet a, you know, another name was to drop. Uh, but, you know, you're starting to get, you know, most of the pieces, you know, are in place. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like they're a- announcing some of these names and it just seems, it's like, okay, you know, Without role mission and obviously, you know, feeding this out to certain media members to report. We go talk about it. Uh, open pit barbecue, John Vaughn. Um, I talk about John all the time. Uh, John, um, yeah, as you guys know, my outside things that lo- loves is, you know, grilling and food and meat. Meat is good. Uh, John Vaughn feels the same way. Open pit barbecue in Vermilion. A lot of effort, a lot of effort into it, a lot of passion behind it. Special of the week, I believe he had the Rodman up there today, which is you know, which he gave a nice little twist to with you know, a little Korean side to it. Um, big Browns fan, you're in Vermilion, around Vermilion, going through Vermilion. Go to Open Pit Barbecue, check out John Vaughn, go and have a meal, talk some Browns, tell them locked on Browns sent you. Uh, obviously, Pete, a little busy here uh, the last couple of days. As you know, you go off to these, you know, uh, off to the coaching clinic, so to speak, which is you know a great way to hopefully pick up some information. Who are some of the speakers you got to see and some things you got to take away from? Um, so it was the Ohio uh, so 
coaching association or whatever clinic that uh, happens down at, in Columbus. Um, so Ryan Day start, started it, and then they, you know, they had P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. They had Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, at least for the moment. Uh, they had Jeremy Pruitt from Tennessee. Uh, and I'm probably missing somebody. Uh, so, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, what changes. I've seen some of these guys before. Uh, Ryan Day and Luke Fickle, I saw last year, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of it is culture because a lot of coaches don't like to give up what they actually do, um, X's and O's wise. But uh, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt was interesting because he's doing a bunch of stuff with uh, how how uh, Tennessee defense three by one coverage. Uh, but the biggest takeaway from all of that is they all insisted that every coach in there was just smart, if not smarter than they were, um, which is nice to know that I'm smarter than. But according to him, one of the best uh, defensive coaches in the country. And according to him, I could out-scheme him any day of the week. These are things they actually said. I don't know who told them to say this thing, these things, but nevertheless, it was interesting. Well, that's a good way for you guys to keep slapping your money down and coming back, you know, year after year after year. Pete, with a couple of days off here, Browns-wise, NFL-wise, draft-wise, football-wise, anything Pete Smith needs to get off his chest? Uh, maybe. I have a theory – that the Browns are going to go after one potentially high-priced free agent. Ooh, and that do we have a name to go is, with it? Yes. It's going to be the, the safety from the Vikings. That Anthony Harris. Yes. Um, because as I go through this, this safety class is awful. And I'm wondering if that is sort of the big guy they can get, theoretically. If it, you know, if he doesn't sign with all the connections yeah. he's got here, yeah, Minnesota has a difficult time with their salary cap, so they're not really in a great position to sign him. He's at free safety, I believe, uh, which is you know obviously a critical point for the Browns right now. And then that way they can do something along the lines of uh, signing guys like Justin Burris back, and you know cobbling together a strong safety position, getting that big time thing and then using the draft to go elsewhere in this. but Because, you know, things can change, and there are guys I like in the safety class, but overall it is just woefully underwhelming. And, again, brings us back to last year where it was a stacked safety class, and the Browns got Sheldrick Redwine, which may turn into something, but there were a lot of good players, including Super Bowl uh, winners like Juan, Juan Thornhill and, and others. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who looked really, really good for this game. So um, we'll see. The 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 you know maybe this class will get better, but the more I go through this, the more underwhelmed I am with this safety yep. class. And I don't think the Browns are going to be a great spot to get get guys that fit well. It doesn't mean they can't find value. It's just I, there are certain positions in this class that are just bad. Yeah, and you know, and look, you know, we're to the point now, and everybody's like, oh well, you know, you know, and obviously, you know, I do the. <clears throat> The draft network mocks. Um, Stephen Thomas, obviously a good friend of ours, um, does it, does theirs, does the fan speak one every day. And oh, that's great that, you know, but what's the realization that, you know, Grant Talpit's going to be there at 41? Um, Grant Talpit is an underclassman who just finished his junior season. And people have a lot of questions about his tackling ability. You're not able to go down to Mobile, Alabama. 
to the senior bowl, which you really wouldn't be able to correct it there, but at least people get to know you and get a better feel of you. Um, if you're a safety and there's questions about tackling, eek, um, and everybody, oh, well, you know, well, da, da, well you know, top 10, da, 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 da. It's the same conversation we had last year about Greedy Williams, who the Browns got in the middle of the second round. Um, a lot changes. Um, and I agree with you, Pete. Um, I really like, obviously, um, uh, obviously from Minnesota, Antoine Winfield's son. Um, I think he's a do-it-all safety, but I think his issue is going to be he's not prototypical size-wise, and there's going to be the questions of you've been banged up a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I don't think this safety class is as great. And as far as having to maybe double dip, that's got to scare the bejesus out of you. Um, I think there's a couple of guys you like late. Um, and the thing with Anthony Harris and what it might be is he's played good ball pretty much consistently since he's been with Minnesota. And due to their cap, they never found a reason or, you know, maneuvered somebody, some money around to essentially show him the love. Now, um, his domestic black coach is here. Um, there's people within the, obviously, head coach Kevin Stefanski. I agree. He may be the number one free agent target. Um, and we've gone odd ad nauseum about how you rectify, you know, the tackle group and everybody again for the 567,000th time. Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard are going to be two of the top five offensive tackle positions at right tackle and left tackle. So everybody says, keep doing this through the free agency. It's just not there. It's just not there to be had. They're never, it's not ever really a position where you can address it and fix it through free agency. It's, it, it's just that simple guys go back, look at free agent signings for the last 10, 12, 15 years. Good <laughs> functional tackles. Don't hit the mark. It just does not happen. We're going to put a ball on this one. Obviously, Pete and his uh, team over there at Browns Maven through SI.com. Killing it. Make sure you're following Browns Maven on social media. Make sure you're following the guy over at underscore Pete Smith underscore. He's doing a fantastic job. Love to see the product grow for Pete. He's always put in the effort. Now he's getting the recognition. It's fantastic to see. The show itself at Locked On Browns. All lowercase. Always a follow-back account. DMs are open. Questions, thoughts for the show. Hit me. You think you got something good? We're working in. We're always looking for ideas, and something comes up, and I like it. I'll tell you, it's in. Um, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, the ends are open over there, over there as well. Same thing applies. Um, I know a lot of people aren't huge on Twitter, but you know, you would rather talk through direct messages. That's fine as well. Uh, other thing, everybody, just chill the hell out. Stop arguing with everybody over the stupidest nonsense. All right, just relax, relax, woosa, so to speak, bad boy style. This has been your daily delivery of all things to all LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.